The question of using research acquired from a moral experimentation is a very difficult one. Because of this, this discussion is the first of a two-part series. By a moral experimentation, I am referring to either performing experiments illegally or against the will or knowledge of the subjects. And while the question of using a moral experimentation can apply to a variety of scenarios, this question becomes even more important for Jews. No one wants to validate or make less of the horrible crimes that the Nazis committed. Yet, if there is something to gain from their research, if lives can be saved, should their research be used? This question obviously assumes that the research that the Nazis conducted was performed accurately and by competent scientists. If the research has inaccurate or forged data, then there should be no need to even approach it, not even from an ethical or halachic standpoint, it just isn't reliable. Therefore, in order to pursue this question ethically and halachically, one must assume that the research is in fact valid. In his article in volume 19 of the RJJ Journal, Rabbi Baruch Cohen brings an example of where this has come up in the past. In Dachau, Dr. Sigmund Rascher subjected approximately 300 prisoners to freezing water to test how long the human body can survive in hypothermic conditions. The Nazis claimed that this was to help them understand how long a German pilot has to live if he gets shot down above the North Sea. Perhaps the information and techniques that the Nazis discovered and recorded can be used in understanding and treating hypothermia. After all, there is no real way to run experiments on how the human body responds to hypothermia. It's unethical. In the University of Minnesota, however, the doctor of the hypothermia lab, Dr. Robert Pozo, he wanted to use the Nazis' rapid active rewarming technique as a method to treat hypothermia. Again, assuming that the Nazi research can be considered conducted accurately, should it be used? Can good truly come from evil? There are actually several Gemaras that may shed some light on this issue. In the Gemara Nida, Taf Lamed Amid Beis, there is a discussion regarding the amount of time is required for the formation of a male and female fetus. The Rabbanon use information acquired from Cleopatra, the Queen of Alexandria, in an attempt to approve the opinion of Rabbi Yishmael. Cleopatra took maidservants who were condemned to be put to death, and she killed them 41 days after they were impregnated. She then examined their bodies and the fetuses in order to determine if they were formed after 40 days. In order for Cleopatra's experiment to be accurate, she had to assure that her maidservants weren't already pregnant. The Gemara concludes that she must have given them a serum that would flush out all prior embryos, and then she had them impregnated 41 days before their execution. What Cleopatra did was obviously not moral, yet the reason Rabbi Shmuel doesn't agree isn't because of moral reasons. He argues because he doubts that she could actually control the experiment with the serum. In another Gemara, in the Gemara Bechoros, Daf Mem Hayam and Aleph, Rabbi Shmuel states that there are 248 joints and limbs in the body. His students boiled the body of a woman, sentenced to death by the king, and they counted her limbs in an attempt to prove Rabbi Shmuel wrong. Rabbi Shmuel explains the discrepancy between his answer, which was 248, and the number the students got, which was 252. But Rabbi Shmuel did not mention that he had any issue with the fact that they boiled a human body to find their answer. He simply answers their question. Therefore, as seen in his fall 1991 tradition article, Rabbi Bleich wants to use these Gemaras to prove that immoral research can be used. In his RJJ Journal article, Rabbi Cohen points out that the silence of these rabbis in the Gemara does not necessarily indicate that immoral research is allowed. Rather, the rabbis were only addressing the major issues more relevant to the discussion going on in the Gemara, instead of the minor question about whether the information was acquired morally or not. Therefore, Rabbi Cohen says that one can't come to any conclusions based on these Gemaras. 
In Perak Hei of Yisodei HaTorah, the Rambam discusses the concept of pikuach nefesh, and that saving lives is preferred over violating any isurim besides for the three cardinal sins, murder, idolatry, and adultery. From this basic phrase, it would seem that one must use immoral research if lives are at risk. And hopefully we will address the question of whether immoral research of the Nazis is considered using murder to save lives in the next part of the series. In conclusion, by publishing immoral research, it seems to offer some validation to immoral crimes that were committed. Publication and being included in references um, in articles are strong motivating factors when it comes to medical research. It may even motivate others to neglect morality if they have an opportunity for publication and scientific recognition. At the same time, using the research can sometimes save lives. And as we know, pikuach nefesh seems to override everything except for murder, idolatry, and adultery. So here we have seen just a few gemaras which seem to indicate that there is no issue with immoral research. In the next part, God willing, we will see other sources that may shed more light on the use of immoral experimentation and um, how pikuach nefesh factors into the discussion.